You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. This is an opportunity I have eagerly awaited to introduce our guest speaker, someone I've been eager to hear preach, Jamie Swope, our own Jamie Swope the Director of Children's and Family Ministry here at Nielsville. And just so you have her background, Jamie's a native of San Diego. You'll correct me if I get anything wrong here. And she has been married to her high school sweetheart, Kevin, for over a decade. They are doing a great job raising delightful children, Madeline and Charlotte and Jason. Jamie has a bachelor's degree in theater to teach English, a secondary teaching credential, and a Master of Arts in Education from San Diego State University. Before serving here at Nielsville, Jamie was a ministry coordinator at Gateway Church in San Diego. She led a Mothers of Preschoolers ministry in Hawaii at Schofield Barracks. She has additional work experience as a youth development specialist, a secondary English and theater teacher, and an adjunct college professor. And Jamie is right now, as it notes in the bulletin, a candidate for our commission, our denominations, the eco-denominations commissioned lay pastor program. And this program basically provides lay leaders, those who are called and so gifted, to administer the sacraments, to step into the role of a lay pastor and serve in the church. They, that requires a lot of coursework, it requires mentoring, and, and about a year's worth of work, and you're maybe halfway there, or a little more than half, good. Very excited about that as well. And, I, and if you know Jamie, you know that she is passionate about helping families disciple their children. She loves being part of an intergenerational fellowship of believers that loves and supports children. That's you. She has, of course, been instrumental in holding Nielsville together over these past several years and the changes we've gone through. She does 101 jobs around here. Um, Christian education, Kids Rock, Trunk or Treat, Um, And if you know Jamie, you know she is a marvelous and gifted teacher, she is a motivator, and she is an encourager. So it is our great pleasure to welcome Jamie Swope to the pulpit today. Thank you. Thank you. That was really sweet, Brian. Thank you so much. All right, so just to warm ourselves up here, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you need to grow. You need to grow. Go ahead. All right, that's good. That was really loud, you guys. Now I want you to say to yourself, I need to grow. grow. I'm surprised. I expected you to be louder on the first one, right? But you realize we all need to grow. Let's look at God's word today in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, 
Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he has also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, thank you so much for this body. Thank you for loving every single person in this room, Father, and for giving us um, your grace so that we could live for you and walk with you. I pray today, Father, that you would speak to us all. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we continue on this topic of own our vision here at Nielsville. Our mission statement again is to glorify God by being and making disciples as we what? Worship, grow, and go. Good. Pastor Jeff kicked off the series with worship and last week he actually focused on the go part of our mission. We went a little bit out of order. He talked about taking this message of hope that we have in Jesus and sharing it outside of our church walls. So today, focusing on the grow aspect and flopping that a little bit, we're trying to keep you on your toes, right? But really, it helped me to hear Pastor Jeff's message on this, on going out and sharing Christ a little bit out of order, because it had me thinking about, as we bring people into the family of God, how do we then help them grow? And how are we modeling that growth in Christ ourselves? And if we really invested in this growth, how might this change the course of our church and impact the kingdom of God for the better? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian and resistance leader against the Nazi regime, does not sugarcoat what growing in Christ really looks like in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He claims Christianity without Christ, or sorry, let me say that again, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. So, it would be a surprise if discipleship was not part of any church's mission, right? Over the years, I've heard many church leaders here at Nielsville or in, at other churches that I've been at talk about, you know, how can we get more volunteers so that the same people aren't spread too thin? Or how can we get more people to come to a Sunday school class or teach a Sunday school class or lead a small group? Why do people seem more concerned about the worship style we sing or how long the sermon is or what time the service is, I'm just saying, um, rather than having a concern for the neighbors that we have in our lives who don't know Christ. The root of all of that comes down to a discipleship problem. What holds us back from growing in Christ? Do we feel unworthy of that? 
Might we be cautious of being vulnerable and open with other believers for fear of being hurt? Or do we just need help figuring out our next step? John Maxwell is a pastor from my neck of the woods in San Diego who is a famous life coach. He talks a lot about growth. He's got a really good podcast that I am a little obsessed with. I like it a lot. He explains that many of us have a problem when it comes to growth with what's known as the assumption gap. We assume that we're just going to grow automatically, that surely I'll grow with time and age, and surely if I sit in the church pew, I'll grow, right? But not exactly. Growth of any kind takes deep intention and investment, and growth in Christ requires going deeper in him with his people. And today we'll explore how to do that as we see Paul's instructions in this letter to the Ephesians. We will see that it requires deep empowerment, deep edification, and deep equipping. Looking at our scripture in Ephesians 4 to see how growth within the body of Christ works, the Apostle Paul is writing to the house churches in Ephesus. Ephesus is not maybe what some of us might imagine biblical places to look like, like little towns with dusty roads. Ephesus is a main route of trade. It's a hustling and bustling city, highly populated, and it's a collision of a lot of different cultures because it's a big city. There's mixed morality and beliefs. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Not too different, maybe, from from where we live here. For anyone who would believe in one true God, one way, it would be a dangerous place of persecution. Paul is not a stranger to that himself. In fact, when he's writing to the Ephesians, he's in prison. He seeks to equip believers in Ephesus with this, leader, with this letter that would have been given to house churches to be read like a sermon. And with that instruction, there's instruction for us today too. In verse 1 in chapter 4, Paul begins, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Being a disciple does feel like a high calling, doesn't it? Let's look for a minute at what being a disciple looks like. Dr. Dana Allen is our eco-denomination synod executive. He wrote a book uh, published last year called Simple Discipleship. So I'm going to go through a list of eight qualities of a disciple that we can examine within ourselves. I think there's a slide for that. Awesome. Um, the f- think about as we go through this list where you might be in each of these qualities. The first one is a gospel-saturated life. This is how a person's identity is rooted by whom he or she is in Christ. Number two is connected to God. This is how a person is growing with God through scripture and prayer and other disciplines. Number three, Brian hit on this with the kids, is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, just like the Agape League. So kids, I can't not call you out. Let's say it together. Ready? Do you remember them? Kids, say it out loud with me. you got to help me out today. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good job. These fruits don't just come from a morally restrained heart that's trying to be patient and trying to be good, right? But a God-changed, spirit-filled heart. It comes from God. Number four, understanding the Bible and Christian theology. So this is how a person studies and applies the word of God to his or her life. Number five, missional living. 
what we talked about last week with the go part of our mission, how a person applies God's mission to the ways they serve him, embodying the attitude and posture of Christ and making Christ known to unbelievers. Number six, engaging others in discipleship. How can we come alongside other believers to take their next steps in growth? Number seven is a favorite of mine, community. How a person engages in the body of Christ by commitment to the local church family and engages at a deeper level with other believers with whom they serve and grow. I was delighted to see about four people with Mr. Farrell over there in the library today going to our inquirers class. And that shows me some intention there, people saying, I want to take my next step to be part of this fellowship of believers. So if you missed that announcement earlier today, it's a two-part class, but you are welcome to come to the second part next week. And you might decide from there to join our body of believers as um, what we call uh, membership members. So you have an opportunity to do that. You don't have to. You can just learn first. But I encourage you to take that step there. Number eight is fulfilling God's call on your life. That's how a person develops and put in, puts into action the gifts which God has given them to live into their calling. So walking with Christ has a lot involved. I read this verse to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, and my first thought is that that's really hard. Walking in a manner worthy of this calling might seem impossible, or we might even feel unworthy of it. When I was in college, I had a roommate named Emily, who I'd known for quite a while because we served together in our high school Christian club. She was the worship leader. And I was so excited that we were moving in together in that adult, you know, new adult season of our life. I had these dreams that we'd be, you know, strumming worship songs together. And um, unfortunately, Emily, when we finally got to move in together, said that she was no longer going to church. And I asked her why. She said that she had sin in her life and felt that, that she was struggling with, that she didn't feel like she could come to church with that. She definitely didn't feel like she could lead worship, and this girl could sing for the Lord. It broke my heart. And we talked about how we all sin, we all struggle. So we have to remind ourselves, and I reminded Emily then, that it's the power of Christ in us that makes us worthy to walk in a manner like that. Our growth in Christ is fueled by deep empowerment. Verse 1 in chapter 4 begins with a therefore, so it would be foolish to just start reading that without looking at what's behind. Heading two chapters back is an important verse many of us know. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. This verse I memorized as a 12-year-old. Uh, I was very fortunate to go to a church in, as a new believer then that had a midweek program called Awana. Has anyone heard of Awana before? It's actually when I met my husband was at Awana. And uh, every, I think it was Wednesday nights, can't remember anymore, but we would get together and you would get patches on your shirt, kind of like Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, uh, for memorizing scripture. Before you could get everything going, there was this little booklet with foundational verses. And this verse from Ephesians chapter 2 was one of those verses I needed to memorize. And the reason why is because it's absolutely foundational, right? You have to understand God's grace. We talked about the five solas a couple of years ago as a church. We talked about solo, solo gratia, by grace alone. We need to be reminded that our striving and our own efforts do nothing for our salvation. 
It's only by God's grace with the provision of the cross. Grace is the empowerment for our growth. In chapter 3, Paul also goes on about the mystery of the gospel made known by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, proclaimed to the Gentiles, which allows us all to be heirs to God's grace and redemption. Paul even says about himself in chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Remember that before Paul became this incredible apostle who risks his life to spread the gospel, he was a persecutor of Christians. And he admits in much of his writing his ongoing struggle with sin. But he continued to seek after the Lord to renew him and grow him. He is aware of his unworthiness, and yet, because of his appreciation for God's deep grace and being compelled to share that with a lost world, he perseveres and the gospel spreads. Our growth in Christ is by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and by the goodness of God's grace. This gift of grace is not just at the time we become a believer like we sang about today. It's an ongoing gift of grace that God gives us along the way as we admittedly will still struggle. If anyone told you that when you first became a Christian that it was going to be easy, they lied to you. (laughs) It's easy to see a list like Dr. Dana Allen's with all those qualities and feel a little unworthy of it because godly habits are a little unattainable on our own. Or quite the opposite, some of us think we can do it all and we get arrogant and puffed up with pride because we think that godliness is the result of our own doing when in fact our growth in Christ is only by God's doing when we rely on Jesus he sanctifies us and he makes us holy it is by his strength and work in our lives that we can walk the walk we also grow in Christ through deep edification The root of the word edification is edifice, like a stone. So I picture a pumice stone, uh, a kind of stone that can remove hard, rough places of the skin. You might use it on your feet. I hear some people get calluses. I have delicate feet, but uh, you might have that from time to time. Similarly, similarly as believers, um, we can edify each other by smoothing each other's rough edges and helping each other grow. In verses 2 through 6, Paul implores the Ephesians to do this with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's a lot of ones. Did you hear that pattern? body of Christ is one unified and one God. We are not separate little islands tasked to journey with God alone, but instead we are called to grow together in unity. We are not meant to be spiritually self-sufficient, but rather others with Christ sufficient. And that's not as flowery as it sounds. We have a lot of differences among us in the body of Christ, right? We're different ages, we come from different backgrounds, we prefer different kinds of music and entertainment. We've got a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. 
Thank goodness we are called to the same Heavenly Father who is the Lord of us all. Amen? Maintaining unity requires on reliance of the Holy Spirit to keep unity with patient love for one another. And if we're really being honest, when we go deep, it's not easy to be patient with each other. And it's surely not easy for other believers to be patient with us. When we really commit to growing together, going deep together, we feel irritation with each other and pained from time to time. Because when we move beyond just being friendly to truly becoming friends, there's actually a need to bear with one another in love. Because getting deep with each other requires truth. Truth and love like we read about in verse 15 in chapter 4 here. If it's not getting tough, if you aren't feeling challenged in your relationships with other Christians, you're likely not allowing yourself to go deep enough to allow this process of edification. Over the summer, our leaders met actually right here in the sanctuary for a leadership summit together. We were tasked by the speaker to pair up with somebody sitting nearby us. And so I looked in the row and I saw Lynn Crow, one of our elders here. And we made eye contact and we were uh, told to go find an area in the church to go meet with each other. And we were supposed to pick an area of, of growth. It could be an area in our ministry or a personal area, share that with each other. And then we were introduced to this concept of Malcolm Weber's four D's or four dimensions. So we made a plan together for the next 30 days around these dimensions. So specifically ways to engage God, engage with others, engage with truth and knowledge, and engage with experience. So I'll keep Lynn's area of growth uh, between us, of course. But I can share with you that uh, the Lord had been impressing upon my heart to control my tongue and to be focusing on blessing a couple of people in my life who sometimes don't receive my gentlest words. So Lynn helped me brainstorm ways to engage God with prayer, um, ways I could practice this commitment of using kinder words with specific people, verses I can meditate on, and so on. And then I did the same with her. A couple of weeks ago, Lynn followed up with me. I, anybody else follow up with their partner? Calling you out? You did. Good. Um, so when we met together, we recounted how the last month had been and what commitments we had kept and areas we still need to work on. It was a real honest time, and it was a beautiful time. I'm really glad that we had that time together. This process is one that any of us can engage in. You can meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody like that, like Lynn and I did, or you can do this in your small groups, in a group like that. You could do this in your Sunday school class. The options and opportunities are limitless with a simple model like that. Our spurring each other on does not have to be a complicated discipleship program. It just requires commitment to God and commitment to be intentional and accountable to one another. So consider who God would have you connect with in this way and then encourage each other to get it done. So think about who that is and make it happen. Finally, God grows us through deep equipping to build up one another in the body of Christ. Verses 7 through 11 explain how Christ has given the Ephesians gifts by his grace. And he lifts these verses in verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 
This is, again, where we are not to be just built up on our own, but instead made to worship, grow, and go in community. Christ has gifted us in these various ways to equip each other. And notice, this is not a list of qualities for a pastor to have. Just the pastor. It would be great when a pastor has those qualities. But we're also called in the body of Christ to have these gifts. Some of you will think, I'm not a teacher, though. And I'm not an evangelist. I hear that one a lot. And I'm certainly not a prophet. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) But all of us can and should grow in these gifts rather than expect other people to have them. Our body needs prophets, those in our church who have a keen eye to keep us on track with the word of God and following his ways. Our church needs evangelists, those who so lovingly bring Christ to a lost and hurting world and invite people to join us in our mission. Nielsville needs shepherds, people who care for us in our time and need and counsel us in the ways of the Lord. Even if you're not a deacon, you can still be intentional to tend to your brothers and sisters in Christ here. We also need teachers to help us understand this grand, redemptive love story in the pages of our Bible and invite us to take part and be changed by the mystery that is the gospel of Christ. Allow God to build you up through the work and ministry of the church and take an active role in that process. All of us can use equipping and sharpening of the gifts that God has given us. This is where mentorship and growth plans can make a huge impact. Almost as soon as I started my job here at Nielsville, I knew I needed equipping into the calling that God has for me as a ministry leader. I look in this room and I'm overwhelmingly blessed to think about people here in this body who have helped me grow, poured into me. I love you and I thank you so much for that. Before we became an eco church, our new denomination, I had heard um, about Eco's commissioned lay pastor program at Eco's national gathering. It clicked with me right away. In fact, I don't even think it had quite been developed the first time I'd heard of it. And I called Chad Porter on the phone from the conference in Texas and said, I've got to tell you about this. This is so exciting. I think this could be a next step. And here I am about a year after that doing that program. I have a mentor who meets with me and counsels me and holds me accountable. That's Michelle Kelly, so thank you for being that for me. And uh, I also have a lot of homework, (laughs) a lot of homework and reading and lectures to listen to and meetings to do for this process. And it helps me to grow. It helps me to grow in those competencies as a ministry leader. It's just one example of of a, a way, a specific tool that can help us grow. I believe other people could do this program too. God is our ultimate equipper, and he desires this for you. So why is this equipping important? Continuing in verse 13, so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Remember, Paul is writing to the Ephesians who are surrounded by a hostile culture. And the church is still relatively new, meeting in house churches, growing in number, but surely needing to safeguard against the prevailing culture of the day. They needed to be deeply rooted in their understanding of the scriptures and their commitment to each other and and knowing God well. And so it is today. It's quite obvious that we live in a 
culture hostile to Christianity and to the word of God. We see churches bending and being tossed in the waves, trying to stay relevant and diluting and minimizing the holy word of God. This is why we need to be equipped, so that we may stand firm in the gospel and in the hope we have in God and his word. Church, may Christ do this work of growth in all of us through deep empowerment by the grace of the one who saves us from our sins, through deep edification and spurring on one another in Christ, and by deep equipping of the gifts God has given us. I want to close with this excerpt from Francis Chan's Letters to the Church. It's a really good book. If you haven't read it yet, it came out a couple years ago, and I love it. Let us consider um, his encouragement about why it's important for us to grow together. Jesus said, as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 13, 34. Our king, who allowed himself to be tortured and killed for us, tells us to love each other in the same way. Have you even considered loving a fellow Christian as sacrificially and selflessly as Christ loved you? When was the last time you looked at a Christian brother or sister selflessly, wanting to bring them life no matter what the cost? Think of a few people in your church. Picture their faces. Now think about the lengths to which Jesus went to bring those specific people to himself. Think of the whippings he endured so that they could be forgiven. Imagine the way he thought of each of those people as he hung on the cross. No sacrifice was too great. There was nothing he would hold back. He did everything necessary to redeem and heal and transform those specific people. And he did the same for you. So ask yourself, who does God want you to pursue? Who could you desire to spend time with more? Jesus went to the ultimate extent for them. Why would you hold anything back? Jesus pursued those people from heaven to earth to bring them into his family. What barriers could hold you back from pursuing a deep familial relationship with them? We have experienced the greatest love in the universe. Shouldn't that profound love flow out of us? And shouldn't that be enough to shock the world? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace that saves us, that keeps us going in this process of becoming your disciple and following you and walking with you. Lord, give us the strength to do that. Holy Spirit, speak to us now about what specific steps you want us to take in our growth. Show us who we might ask to encourage us in that, to keep us accountable. And also, Father, I pray that you would speak to us about who we can encourage, who we can build up. Father, I also want to pray for anybody here today who is feeling your Holy Spirit calling them to take their first step in their walk with you. I pray that today would be the day that they give their faith to you. Father, that they would find somebody in this church to say that to you so that we can help them grow in their faith. We love you so much, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org.